0: Tales more well established lesbian Chapter 14 Oh, then, dear saint, let lips do what hands do. They pray, grant thou less faith turn to despair. Did I mention? i love romance and shakespeare oh he knew how to pen a romantic line or two though i am strongly on board with the theory that romeo and juliet really should have been a gay love story i mean gay lesbian don't mind which but come on forbidden romance naught to true love instantly all of that drama the instant wedding tragic ending I mean, come on, Baz Lerman. Missed a trick there, my friend. Missed a trick. Anyway, film review over. Beth was on my mind. Thinking about her after our strolls through London town. Doc, bless him, listened to me talk endlessly, well, type endlessly about her. Luke put his shift in too. Oh, I couldn't wait to see her again. We arranged a date, and I had to reschedule. We arranged another date, and she had to reschedule. Third time's the charm, I thought. But no, another reschedule. This time she's ill. Finally, finally, our diaries align, and we meet on a Sunday afternoon. Lunch turns into drinks. Drinks turns into dinner which turns into more drinks. And then somehow, ghetto, on a Sunday. (laughs) I don't remember at what point during that evening, Beth told me she had a girlfriend, but I'm pretty sure it was right after we danced together so closely, you'd have probably assumed we were dry humping. 20 year old me listened to her say, If I was the kind of woman who had affairs, you know, you'd really be in with a chance. And I actually thought that was a good thing. Like, this woman would consider me alongside what she already had. I seemed pleased about this. Hmm? You know, like, I wasn't a first choice. Let's be honest, at this point I'm more like a free gift in a box of cereal that you were going to buy anyway. It just... Hmm... But could you have told 20-year-old me that? No. No. Couldn't see past my crush. She was older, she was hotter, she was cooler. I thought she was so, so, so much more interesting than me. I mean, out of my league is a phrase I've used a lot in the past. Um, And I consider Beth well out of mine. Not enough self-esteem... To want more than the crumbs of attention. Not enough self-respect to not settle for that. Not enough willpower to resist the chemistry. The news of the girlfriend though, it was enough to make me hesitant, to make me hang back, especially that night. But I was about to learn how much more I want something as soon as I'm told I can't have it. Not to mention some of those more harmful romantic notions and tropes. You know, about persistence and overcoming. And It's really easy to look back in the cold light of 2021 and see it for what it really is. But obviously, 20-year-old me hadn't a clue. And then I made one of my more, hmm, I don't know, cringy, embarrassing moves... Uh, The following day, I was supposed to have lunch, and it didn't happen. For whatever reason, she cancelled, presumably, the girlfriend. Um, But I found a postcard that I thought would be perfect for her. And on this postcard, all I wrote was the definition of the word chance. Nothing else, and I just sent that to her. I remember feeling really pleased with myself about this move at the time, and now I'm just like, what is wrong with you? But she liked it. She did. Over the next month or so, Beth did just enough to always make me think I was still in with a chance. She'd play down the seriousness of her relationship. Uh, kind of hint that she might choose me over Camille. I mean, anyone with half a brain cell could have seen I was being well and truly strung along. And yet I seemed so glad about it. But even if I could see it, I didn't want to. I wanted to believe her. But of course, listeners, you know it wasn't to be. And then, instead of going home to the USA due to her visa... Camille stayed, and Beth and Camille moved in together. There seemed to be some suggestion from Beth that things ought to kind of continue between us, potentially progress even. But to me, the chase, the game is over, you know? I feel like moving in sends a message clear enough that even I, even I could pick that one up, right? So, what next? What to do? Ah, yes. Why not distract myself from one unattainable woman with another one? The quintessential straight girl crush. A friend of a friend who became my friend. One who happened to be very attractive and lovely. And then she asked me to take my clothes off for her. Unfortunately, it was all in pursuit of artistic endeavours she had no nefarious notions no hidden agenda genuinely just art very disappointing and while I might have hoped and made the odd inquiry into the uh, possibilities of you know would she maybe has she ever thought I mean just wondering making making conversation that's all just wondering this was absolutely the kind of crush you could do nothing with. The kind you just had to wait to pass. Doesn't mean that I didn't secretly long for more. You know, classic bit of pining or yearning. But not a single feeling that was worth risking a friendship over, you know. And amongst this utterly pointless crush, one of my friends has decided... It was time for a London visit. She wanted a gay night out in good old Soho. She'd listened to too many stories at this point, felt very jealous and demanded to be taken out. And I thought, you know what, this is exactly what I need to get my mind off this small town crush. So Jane arrives on the Friday night and, oh, she is already off for a weekend. We have planned a full day on the Saturday, shopping, drinking and dancing, you know. Now Jane, beautiful woman, kindest face in the world, great hair, blonde, smile to die for and she is as lovely as the thoughts that shine out of her face. There's also something about Jane that makes me feel incredibly protective of her. You know, kind of butch protector mode activated. I can't lie to you, listeners, if it wasn't for the fact that horses are mildly terrifying, I would totally indulge my white knight complex, you know? But Jane, Jane's ready for a night out, and she wants to go to all the places that I usually do or I've mentioned, and so Soho it is. We end up at the candy bar, Luke joins us, and oh, Felicity and Liz and Camille all make an appearance too. Jolly good. (laughs) Amazingly, though, not a single situation develops. Well, unless you count me spending the whole night kind of fending off the wrong kind of women um, who were after Jane. You know, Luke played blocker too. It was like that T-shirt with Jane there, you know, dip me in chocolate and feed me to the lesbians. But like in real life, seriously, I mean... I needn't have worried, though, barring the one or two weirdos that you always get, and Luke and I saw those off, Jane revelled in the attention whilst not mugging anyone off. Not easily done. As I said, she's proper lovely. Even introduced me to a ridiculously hot woman from New York. I mean, at this point I've decided, Jane, Jane can come out with us again. There was only a one destination left on our lovely little tour, and that was a Ghetto, of course. I mean, I think Jane just wanted to find out if the floor really was as sticky as I said it was. And I wasn't lying. We danced until we could dance no more. We fetched our chips, we made our way to the bus stop, and oh, it's been a belter of a night. Absolute belter. You know, last time Jane was in London, she'd gone and got herself mugged. So, you know, things were looking up in the capital. We're feeling pretty good. Or at least they were. Listeners, as I'm sure you are well aware, I'm not short on words. Happily using 25 when 8 would do it. But according to my diary entry, here's what happened next. Good night out. Bit of trouble on the night bus. Guns and knives and that. All okay, though. I'm sorry, what? That's very matter-of-fact. Very concise. Succinct, even. No hyperbole. Hmm. A little bit understated. Restrained, even. Who on earth wrote this? It can't have been me. Well, make up your own mind, listeners, if I was downplaying the situation. As I tell you now, about the guns and knives and that. Come back to the bus stop. We've got our drunk chips, kebab for Luke. The bus stop's got that wicked atmosphere where everybody's had a great night and people are sharing chips and going twos on the last fag in the packet before the bus turns up. And the three of us pile on straight upstairs. Front seats are taken. Bastards. Best seats on the bus then. We plonk ourselves down about three quarters of the way down the bus. Pockets of people debriefing from the night gossip is being shared and some people are just planning on how to keep the night alive. There are two Italian lads, just a couple of rows behind Jane and I. They're in good spirits, arguing, debating something passionately in Italian. Now I don't speak much Italian. Uh, grazie. Uh a un I mean, I don't even know if that one's right, but that's pretty much it. But I was fairly sure this hey good-spirited heated argument was about football. It's the kind of thing I can I can pick up. The back row of the bus is full of lads. All attitude and swagger. The bad boys of the bus are in their rightful place. Even though it's a Saturday night in London town and not the bus to school, but never mind, never mind. We'd um, chosen to put a bit of space between us and them. They were a little rowdy and not in a we just had the gayest night out ever kind of way. I'm just saying they look like they could have done whether a little dance to Kylie or some scissor sisters. That's what I'm saying. Everyone on the bus is minding their own business. Talking to their people and ready for what's next, be it more party or bed. Except for the Italian lads. They are getting into it now. I mean it's definitely not a serious route. You know, you can feel it, you can you can kinda of hear the humour in it. Um but my God, it is getting loud. And I glance over my shoulder and I just nothing but a blur of hand gestures and noisy Italian. And as I turn back towards Jane, I just see a pair of trainers fly up past the top of the seats behind me and then sort of disappear behind the next one. The gang of lads at the back have now taken umbrage at the Italian. They've dragged this poor lad over the seat back towards their group and the other one gets pulled into the aisle. They are both catching a beating right now and we are way too close for comfort. I dragged Luke from the seat opposite and kind of shoved him on top of Jane, kind of just like a bit of a human shield situation but like make sure she's protective and now I'm perched on the edge of the seat practically in the aisle and I can just about reach the trainer of the second lad who was in the aisle and so I grabbed his foot and just started dragging him towards me Um, and it gives him just enough space to be able to haul himself out of their grip and sort of past me his friend, however, is, you know, like right at the back now, kind of trapped in that back row of seats. Um, absolutely, as I said, getting a beating. Um, and he's, he's just in the thick of it. And one of the gang is uh, waving a knife around as he eggs his mates on to keep beating the, uh, and I quote, little Italian fag. He's a charmer, his knife boy. All of his phobic comments just keep coming. But he is tucked in the back corner of the bus, slightly neutralizing him and his, his threat. you know he's like a dog barking behind a fence at this point. so I figure if we can get one good grab of the other Italian lad, you know give him a just pull him out of there and we're, we're, we just go we just get out of here, um, and I'm perched on the edge of the seat, and I sort of. Slowly and subtly move to the edge of the next one and then one more. I am uh, pretty close right now Uh, And I catch the eye of the lad in the opposite corner to knife boy He's been watching me and he now shakes his head at me Dead serious face, right? And I kind of give him my best. Ah, come on now. Like just like come on and he just shakes his head again at me. The poor Italian lad is still getting beat. He's kind of managed to wiggle his way into the aisle now. And he's not that far away from me. So I make a slight move to grab him. No no sudden movements. But corner man reaches into his waistband. And pulls out a gun. And aims it at me. Long enough for me to move back a seat. And then another one. As the bus comes to a dead stop, the engine turns off and obviously people are now getting off. The driver's had enough, he's like, everybody off the bus, not doing this. Knife boy tells the Italian lad to fuck off and fair play to him, he does exactly that. And as I help him, I look back and thankfully the gun's gone. Can't see it. I mean, it could have been a replica for all I know. It could have been a water pistol, but I wouldn't have a clue. I tell you what though, it looked real and it had exactly the impact he wanted it to have. It really did. We all pile off the bus and it's going nowhere now. Driver's like, nah, not doing it. And I'm peeved. I'm absolutely peeved now. I'm muttering and mouthing off about this whole situation and uh, Luke quite wisely decides that That's probably not the best idea, and we get in a black cab and we suck up the cost of it. You know, to this day, I don't think Jane has been back to London for anything more than a brief day trip. I can't imagine why. I mean, as I said at the top of this story, all okay though. Clearly, that was enough drama to last me for a little while. I went on with my unrequited crush and life bumbled on by. College, work, drinks, repeat. College, work, drinks, repeat. I was getting a bit restless. University was coming to an end and I didn't know where I was going or what was coming next. And I didn't even really know what I wanted to do next. I kind of knew what I didn't want to do, which it did helps right I didn't want to go home for a start you know Uh, my friends were here built a good life and I was loving having London on the doorstep I was home one Wednesday night enjoying a rare moment of having the flat to myself not a boy in sight more importantly not a boy to be heard just Lovely. It gets late, and my phone goes off. It's Jamie. He wants to know if I'm out, or if I'm out at I tell him I'm not. He asks why not, and I don't really have a reason. I'm just not. He tells me to get my ass to the pub before last orders, and the first two drinks are on him. Not for the last time this night. I think, eh, fuck it i might not have been drunk but i was already under some influence locating my shoes for example seemed to take forever but next thing you know i'm at a midweek locking at jamie's pub making up for lost drinking time on someone else's tab unfortunately at some point that tab closes the doors get unlocked and the long drunken goodbyes are said to people that we are probably going to see within the next 24 hours. Jamie and I are not ready to call it a night. No, no. We're just getting started. Student night at Chicago. That's still happening. Drinks are pound fifty. We head straight there. A couple of hours later, the doors are unlocked. <laughs> Long drunken goodbyes are said to people we don't even know at this point. And we decide that my flat is closer and the off license is on the way, and so that's where we end up. We drink some more, smoke some more, talk some more. And even now, I'm still not sure what happened or how what follows happened. Jamie and I are sat on either end of the sofa. And I'm, I'm just sort of staring at him. You're a boy, I'll say to him, like Captain Fucking Obvious. He looks at me slightly like I've lost the plot. And listeners, I think I had, if I'm honest. I think I really had. What I mean is like, you're like a boy. Like a boy-boy. You know, like a proper Boy. See, that's cleared that up for everyone, yeah? Well, except for Jamie, who is, um, still perplexed. How am I... How am I going to explain where am I... I, What am I thinking? What am I trying to say? Hmm. Uh, you know, all I'm saying is, I've never slept with a guy. I can see the cogs in Jamie's brain are whirring. The well-established lesbian seems... To be hinting at something. It's not going very well, so I'll come right out with it. How would you feel about, you know, like me sort of using you for a bit of experimentation? That's pretty much along the lines of what I said to this poor lad. With all the warmth of a scientist looking for volunteers on the black market, you know, despite or because of this approach, Jamie was up for it excellent no more of this don't knock it till you've tried it how do you know if you're gay if you've never slept with a man bollocks right let's quite literally put this to bed things are going all right we've moved it to the bedroom i've got to be honest with you i suspect my level of inebriation is playing a large part in why it's going well but still things are going well enough that i ask him if he's got a condom All activity ceases, and he looks at me like I've got two heads. Don't you have one, he asks. Well, what with being a very single lesbian, Jamie? No, no, fresh out of condoms, as it goes. (sighs) Why don't you have one, I ask. He starts waffling on about girls usually taking care of that, some such shit. And I'm, I'm kind of annoyed now, right? Like in my head, I'm like, right, we can do do this little experiment. I'm asleep with a man. I'm going to shut some people up. I'm going to answer any curiosity or questions I've got within myself. Like I'd find out that I definitely wasn't making all of this up. Yeah, it's just, oh, I'm annoyed now, right? It's ruined the plan. And also, I mean. Credit where credit is due, his work so far has not been, um, terrible. So, now I'm drunk, horny, and annoyed, right? Jamie asks if I'm sure I don't want to risk it without. And clearly, I don't. I mean, I did go to sex ed, Jamie, right? I don't want to be that girl who gets pregnant the first time she has sex. Uh, not happening. But... I do feel like this whole thing should not be a waste and I make it very clear to Jamie his penis isn't actually needed um, done alright so far in life without one so with my eyes closed and my mind elsewhere it wasn't the worst I'm going to lie to you wasn't the worst but then, fair's fair Jamie wanted his and so I got to grips with my first penis To summarise the experience, I got an i make, and I got very bored, and I genuinely asked the poor lad, is this it? Like, is this all you need me to do? He, Yeah, seemed pretty happy with the situation. I mean, I remember somebody telling me once that if you can use a crayon, you can make a dick happy. And I'll be honest, based on my teeny tiny bit of experience, it would seem to me they weren't far wrong. And so I was feeling pretty certain about the whole being gay thing again. Yeah, very, very gay. The experimentation hadn't got me rushing out to fill the bedside drawer with condoms so that we could get to it. You know, they weren't going to be used unless they're for my strap-on, which I don't have at this point, by the way. This is still a, still a foreign concept to be discovered. Jamie was an incredibly decent chap. Right up until the point that I um, made him sleep on the sofa, <laughs> my argument was that the new flatmate had just got used to women coming out of my room, and you know, I didn't, I didn't want to cause a situation, I didn't want to confuse things. Right? He was huffy, but he agreed. Um, but there was a quiet conversation about the fact that I didn't particularly want this to become common knowledge. You know, Jamie argued that he should be allowed to tell at least one person. And, you know, fair play, I kind of agreed. Uh, And we had a mutual friend and they became that nominated person. And those boys didn't say a word. Well, at least until enough years had passed to make it just one of those funny, you remember the time we nearly... ...stories? Now, after my midweek science experiment, the weekend rolled around quite quickly and uh, it brought a visitor, Rose. We'd been uh, trying to be friends post-breakup. And what with Claire being stationed in Iraq, we had been talking more and more. Um, She came for a visit, a nice, friendly visit that ended up with us in bed together. I mean, they were on a break, and this was just sex. No more than that, we agreed, just sex. After all, we're both single, consenting adults, so why not? I'm not sure if it was me trying to prove to myself how gay I really was, or just me, I don't know, leaning into lesbianism now that I was dead sure of myself. Not a trace of doubt left. But lean in, is what I did. And in keeping with my form of the time, the next three were all straight women. Unavailable, unattainable to me in some way, shape or form. Now, of course, when I say straight women, what I mean is that that's how they identified at the time not making any assumptions about anyone at all they may have known that they were bi or lesbian but just not come out or communicated it. So as far as I was concerned, straight girls. There was the uh, girl from the makeup counter who was the worst conversationalist in the world but oh my god, she was incredibly gorgeous. She also quite liked to live dangerously. Our little tryst wasn't terribly discreet and we enjoy a few nights out together in town and it was only when i walked her home one night that i found out she had a boyfriend in fact we found out when we stumbled into the house this particular night and this absolute unit of a man is sat on the sofa i mean seriously the size of a damn mountain He made the three-seater sofa underneath him look like it was stolen from a primary school. Turns out he was an absolute delight, regaling me with tales of his SAS days, uh, his most recent job following some mad sheik around keeping him safe in Saudi Arabia, you know, I was impressed and intimidated, but mostly hoping that the lipstick his girlfriend wore that night was still on her face and was not on mine. I mean, this fella could crush my head with one hand. One hand. I'm not even sure he'd need to use his thumb, I just one hand. For reasons of self-preservation rather than morality, I knocked that one on the head. For a moment, things were going really well with a girl I met quite randomly in the shopping centre until she called me a horny bunny during sex. R.I.P. the moment. And then I had a messy emotional entanglement. All emotion and drama. Very little action. She was the girlfriend of a friend and she was off limits. And for the longest time, to be honest with you, I just avoided her. I couldn't help but flirt when I was around her. She always flirted back and uh, eventually she confessed she liked me. She was having a whole crisis around her sexuality and I'm not judging, but the only man on a poster in her bedroom was Brian Maloko of placebo. So, just, all I'm saying. She wanted to break up with her boyfriend, but she didn't. She wanted to kiss me but she didn't. She wanted this, but she didn't want that. I just, round and round we went. The day she did kiss me, it turned out she found out her boyfriend had cheated. The drama got very, very real, and I exited stage left. Like, I don't need a part here, thank you. Sometimes, as I tell you my stories, there are moments I wish I could go back and handle them with the confidence and knowledge I have now. I wish I'd known not to settle for less than I wanted. At the time, weirdly, I didn't feel like I was very successful with women, telling myself that the school days narrative, that I was ugly, that nobody would ever fancy me, that I was always gonna be on the outside. And I kept telling myself that story. That was who I told myself I was that I wasn't a sexy woman, that I wasn't a sexy person. You know, that wasn't a word that anybody had ever used to describe masculine women. I just, it, it wasn't possible, as far as I could tell. And yet 38-year-old me is sitting here right now, exhausted at the thought of going back and being 20-year-old me again. Just It just seems like so much work, and I'm listening, and I'm going, there's a woman here, and there's a woman there, and... Oh... But even as recently as last year, I still struggled not accepting behavior or actions that made me feel less than. So if you're carrying around that notion that you should just be grateful for what you get, you're gonna need to put that down now, friend. I mean, I wish I'd put mine down a long time ago. There are people out there willing and capable of loving you the way you want to be loved and for who you are right now. There is nothing about you that means you should accept or settle for less. You put your boundaries in place, you set your standards and know that you're a complete and whole human with or without a partner. Undoing that narrative you've been telling yourself might take some effort might take some time and you might need some help with it and that's okay because it's worth it because you're worth it because you deserve it thank you for listening to chapter 14 oh got a little serious at the end there i know i know but um i'm confident you can handle it Thank you for following on Insta or Facebook. Thank you if you've reached out and got in touch to tell me what you do and what you don't like about the podcast. I appreciate all of your feedback. Um, And honestly, it it makes my day. makes the whole thing so much more worthwhile. Don't forget to subscribe, follow and leave a review on your podcast platform wherever you can. Next up, it's my 21st birthday and uh, I celebrate it with all of the wise decisions and drama and consequences that I've always brought to life so far. So come back next week for all the details on that. Thank you, as always, for the privilege of your time. Be excellent and take care. See you next week.